More than I will. So, how many uh, are at all stressed? Yeah, you got uh, three weeks left of classes. <laughs> then finals. And then some of you uh, are graduating and you have no idea for some of you what's next. Some of you are hitting summer and you have no idea what summer's going to be. You have options and how do you figure out stuff and you, the stress just rises. In fact, I was asking students recently, uh, what, what do you need to hear in chapel? And somebody says, lots of us are stressed about have I heard God right or not. So we want to talk about that a little bit today. But first, I want you to do something with me. Take your right hand and hold it up like that. Now take your forefinger and thumb of your left hand and find that little spot where the finger bone meets the thumb bone. There's a little pad of flesh there and squeeze it kind of hard. Do you feel that in your hand? Keep squeezing it and take two or three deep breaths. Now switch hands. Do it again. See, why is he having us do this? I looked up stress relief on the internet. And that's one of the exercises they suggested that you try to help just relieve stress in the middle of, uh, of life and in the middle of trying to figure out, am I hearing God right or not? Because that's part of our stress. Part of our stress is, have I figured out God? Have I figured out what he wants me to do? What do I need to be doing? Now, I'm convinced that God communicates with his people. We have evidence in the Bible. There's Adam and Eve. God comes and walks with them in the cool of the evening. There's Moses and his burning bush. We have the story of Joshua as he's scoping out Jericho, trying to figure out you know, how to attack the city. And, and a messenger from God shows up and talks to him. Gideon is hiding from the Midianites, threshing grain inside the bottom of a, of a wine press. And an angel shows up and says, Hail, mighty warrior. And it's like Gideon must say, Who, me? I'm, I'm hiding here. And we have these, these moments in the Bible where an angel shows up or when some special messenger from God shows up, and we think, it would be great. It would be great if that happened to me. Uh, now, I, I'll say a couple things. First of all, usually when that, show, when that happened, something really hard was asked of the person. And so we'd say, it'd be great if God just showed up and gave me something easy. But that's not generally how the angel kind of things worked. And secondly, God was leading all kinds of people in those days without angels showing up. The angel kind of thing, I kind of look like it as, the, as ESPN's top 10 plays of the day. You know, there were a thousand plays that day, and they picked out a handful to show because they were special. Most people in those days were just trying to figure out God's will and God's directions like you are and like I am without angel moments, without thus saith the Lord, thunder and lightning and stuff. I mean, I've had two or three or four or five times in my life where I think I clearly had one of those almost audible, this is what God wants you to do. And most of the time, I'm just trying to figure out life a step at a time, just like all of us. But God is still in the business of speaking to us even without the angels. Uh, Jesus said in John 10 that his sheep can listen to his voice. Galatians chapter 5 tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. In the upper room that night that Jesus was betrayed, he begins talking with, his, with the disciples about, about the Holy Spirit. And he says in John 14, 15, and 16, the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. He'll remind us of what Christ has taught us. He'll convict us of sin and of righteousness. He'll guide us and he'll make known the will of God. That's the word of God to us about discovering his will. Now, I'll tell you, most of God's will is found right here in God's Word. 
It really is. I don't know what the figure is, 95%, 99%. Most of God's will for us is found in his word. But there, he doesn't tell you whether you should be a plumber or a professor in his word. And those are the kind of things we tend to stress out a little bit about. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit. I do know that God does nudge us through spiritual sensitivity sometimes and I think he wants to communicate to us through whispers but sometimes we have a hard time hearing him. In fact, I need a little help here. I'm gonna take five volunteers. They don't know they're volunteering yet. The first five of you right now, you're my volunteers. Please come up here. Don't you love how they just said, oh, take me, take me, take me, take me. Who who, who wants to hear? Um, We're going to let you right here. You want to hear the word of God, okay? All right. Um, We're going to let you be the Holy Spirit, all right? Come over here. All right, just stand here for a second. I'll use you in a minute. Uh, So this is your life. You're in the middle of college world. What year are you? You're a freshman, so this is your first end of the year finals and all the kind of stress. And uh, you have a professor. You want to be a professor? Sure. Okay. And, and what you need to do is when I tell you to, at the count of three, at the top of your voice, shout, study harder, study harder, study harder, study harder. You, you got that? Okay. Here's the problem. Under stress, sometimes you default to social media. And Netflix comes on or whatever. So what you're, you're going to represent social media and Netflix. And I know it's not the fall yet when the new season comes out. But when I tell you to, I want you to shout as loud as you can right at her. Stranger things, stranger things, stranger things, stranger things. Okay? Um, you're going to re- represent social life. All right? And so I want you to face her. And when I tell you to, I want you to shout out, latte, 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 latte. Okay? Yeah. All right, and you, I'll tell you what to do in just a minute, okay? All right, uh, when you start, keep going until I tell you to stop, okay? On the count of three, ready, go. <laughs> oh, yeah, one, two, three. Study harder. Louder. Whisper something to her. Okay, I've got a question, stop. Did you hear what she was saying? What were you saying? But you didn't hear, did you? Do you want to go to Canada? Do you know about Canada? It's that country north of us. Okay. All right, guys, sit down for a second or for the rest. That's part of the problem with some who say, I want to hear from God, but we don't create space to hear from him. We just don't. We don't quiet ourselves. We don't quiet ourselves to times, in times of, of prayer. We don't quiet ourselves in times of scripture. Can I have lights again so I can see my notes? There you go, because it's helpful to have them. It's particularly helpful today because yesterday at about 1 o'clock, I left my office for a meeting. I came back at 4 o'clock and my computer had died with my sermon in it. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we're doing it the old-fashioned way with handwritten notes, and my text today will be appropriate. You'll get that in just a minute. You hear a nudge. Maybe you make a decision. And then you ask the question, how do I know I got it right? And my answer is, I'm not sure. And you can tell sometimes if you got it wrong, if you're disobedient to Scripture. 
but we begin to get a little stressed a little bit about getting it right, and this is where you take the deep breath and squeeze your hand again, because I have a scripture for us that will help. In Romans 8, verse 28, it says this. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. In all things God works. I, I, I needed that yesterday when my computer crashed and when I brought it back up, the recovered documents file didn't have my sermon in it. And I had handwritten notes, but not a sermon. And I thought, okay, what a joke God's playing on me today. Now, I think it was the computer. God didn't cause it. He doesn't cause that. But he does work through it. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are chasing his purpose. And verse 29 tells us what his purpose is. It's that we be conformed to the likeness of his son. God wants you, he wants me to be more like Jesus. I think a lot of times as we're trying to scope out God's will for our lives, we tend to think about career, we tend to think about a job, we tend to think about a major, and God says, yeah, all those are important, but what's more important is that you look more like Jesus. The goal is not the perfect life, the goal is becoming more like the perfect one. And that's the reality we need to cling to. And he uses all of our experiences to shape us and to help us become more. When I was a senior in college on the first Sunday of October, um, 19-something, it was 1971 actually, uh, my roommate had gotten a motorcycle and invited me to ride it, and I had never driven a motorcycle before. And without proper instruction, I hopped on it and took off around the block. And uh, I was halfway around the block when I hit some gravel and lost control of it and slid it into the back of a car and suffered a double compound fracture in my lower right leg. Literally, I rolled off the motorcycle and right here and right in the middle of my leg hung straight down. And I remember thinking either I've broken my leg or I've grown another knee. <laughs> I remember thinking that. Blood was pouring out of my pant leg. Um, I was in the middle of cross-country season. I was in the best shape of my life, looking forward to a great spring track season. And um, I was in a cast for the next nine months. Walking around campus on crutches for most of the, for about the first six months of those times. They only gave me a 30% chance of ever saving, of, of saving my leg. So I'm very thankful that they did. And I, I remember laying in the hospital bed at Marion General Hospital and breathing the prayer, why? And, you know, you expect something profound. And the answer I got back is, because you're a lousy motorcycle driver. <laughs> you know, I, God didn't cause it, but what did God do with it? What... Were there some lessons I learned? Were there some benefits that came from it? One is I learned I'd put far too much emphasis on my athletics and not nearly enough on spiritual development and other things. And I had the privilege of refocusing that for the next eight months because I couldn't do athletics. It was good for me. About a year and a half later, I learned, another le I learned that I had learned another lesson that was valuable. I was a young pastor. I was called to a hospital... And there was a lady there, older lady, but who'd suffered a stroke and she'd lost the use of her left leg, left arm, didn't know if it would be permanent or not. And I had been a guy who up until I was 21 years old had never really had much physical impairment, never had much difficulty. I was healthy, I was athletic. And then I had the motorcycle accident and didn't know if they'd save my leg or if I'd walk normally ever again. I was laying in the hospital not sure what the future would hold.
And I was able to stand next to this hospital bed of a lady who had had a stroke and whose leg was not working, whose leg was not functioning, and they never they didn't know if it would ever come back again. And I could say honestly, I know a little bit what you're going through because I've walked that journey myself. And I had empathy for her that I would not have been able to have had I not had that accident. Did God cause the accident? Nope, he didn't. My lousy motorcycle driving and gravel on the street caused the accident. But did God use the accident? Yes, he did, because that's how God works. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. So, so how do you process trying to figure out how to relax in this sense of, of God's at work, can I trust him? I want to just point out a little scripture for you that you can look at some yourself. God's in the business of talking to you. You have this sense, maybe this is what I should do. Have I heard him right? God wants you to figure it out. And God wants the best for you. As you look at the scripture, that's the context that surrounds this. In verse 26, it says, the spirit... We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is praying that we get it. In verse 29, it says, this, um, the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit's coming to the Father and saying, they need to have your will done. Verse 28, God works for our good. Verse 29, so that we're conformed to the likeness of his Son. Verse 31, it says, God is for us. God is not out to screw your life up. God wants the very best for you. Verse 32 says God has given us salvation. He'll also graciously give us all things that we need. The promise comes to us that God wants us to have the best of him. In verse 34, it says Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In verse 37, it says we can be more than conquerors through him who loved us. So what do you have? You have a promise of God that that the Holy Spirit's praying for you to get it, and that Jesus Christ himself is praying for you to get it, and that God himself is at work in your life so that you'll be conformed to the image of of his son. With all that going on, what are the odds that God's gonna be silent? With all that going on, what are the odds that what God has for us is good? God wants the best for us. Say, well, what if... I hear him and I think it's his will and I make the choice and I'm wrong. Some of you are sophomores, juniors, and seniors. You may remember summit a year and a half ago when Sean Cosson was here. He talked about God's plan A and God's plan B and I don't know if you remember it, but he said if you chase God with the right heart, God has a way and, and make the wrong decision, God has a way of making plan B become plan A. Because God cares more about our character and about our heart most of the time, all the time, than he does about whether we're a professor or a plumber. So let's just talk for a couple minutes about, so if this is true, if God wants the very best for me and if God's always trying to lead me, how do I hear from him? What do I do? How do I discern his will? I have a couple of practical suggestions. First of all, look in scripture and see if there are any prohibitions against what it is you're leaning towards. I mean, if if uh, you're thinking about becoming a hitman, not God's will. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just not. It says, thou shalt not murder. You know, if you want to become a thief, not God's will. Thou shalt not steal. 
Want to become a teacher? Maybe. Want to become a pastor? Maybe. God makes it clear to you? Yep. But look for scripture for prohibitions to say, don't do this. And if you find that, don't do it. It's just as simple as that. I think then with the field open before you, look to to determine what are my talents? What are my gifts? What's my temperament? That gives some suggestion of what you might God want you to be. I, I dreamed at one point of being a professional baseball player. Um, there were several problems with that. One is at the time I was 5'9 and 120 pounds. Not exactly that physical specimen. Second problem was I couldn't hit a curveball. And, um, you know, being able to hit a baseball is a prerequisite for being a professional baseball player, unless you're a pitcher. And then pitchers don't always have to hit but then I couldn't throw the ball that hardy anyway. And so, you know, I mean, you go, what kind of dream was it to be a professional baseball player? I don't know, but it was my dream. I saw myself being shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, some Cubs fans. I was as good as some of their shortstops through the years. (laughs) But, you know, if you're lousy at at, at science, you might not want to choose a career of being in a, a nurse or a doctor or something like that. You know, there's some things we're more gifted at than other things. So is, is it likely that the way my mind works, that the way my body works, that the way uh, my gifts are, that way, the way my temperament is, is it likely that I'm, that I'm fit for that? And then there's this inner conviction. What do I sense strongly? What do I sense from the Lord? Not necessarily what do I even want, but what do I sense from the Lord? I didn't want to be a pastor, but I sensed the Lord wanted me to be. I tried to run from it. I tried to escape his call, and he never let me go. It was that inner conviction. I never, had, I never had an angel moment. I never had, you know, when I turn in the Bible, the words just didn't jump off the page, be a pastor, be a pastor, be a pastor. You don't find that in there, by the way. But there was just this conviction that my gifts mixed with it. I knew I was supposed to do it. I think the then I think sometimes, so you got your talents, your inner convictions. I think add to it opportunity. I never had opportunity to be a professional baseball player. I wasn't good enough to do it, but no one even said, here, have a chance. What opportunities are available to you to choose? God puts opportunities in our way. Wise counsel. What do other people say about you? What do other people say about the opportunity? And then you, choose, you make a decision and you act. Let me uh, give you an example of how this worked in my, in my life. I was a, a lifetime pastor for 41 years at one church. The church loved having me. Most of the church loved having me as pastor. I mean, there's always somebody who doesn't like the pastor. But it was a great church. It was a, a wonderful experience that, I was in my mid-60s, early, mid-early 60s, and uh, the church was the largest it had ever been. The giving was the highest it had ever been. People were getting saved every week. It was a great experience, but I just sensed from the Lord that it was time for me to stop. The church was about 3,000 people, but I sensed it could be 6,000, and I didn't have the time or the energy left to help it get there. So I just sensed from the Lord, it's time to stop. I didn't have an angel show up. Uh, I, I didn't have a lightning strike to tell me. I just knew internally that it was. So I confirmed it with my wife. I confirmed it with some trusted advisors. Uh, 
I didn't know what was next, but I initiated a plan for succession. It was one of those things where you said, this seems to be what God wants me to do. And I did it. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally without making you feel foolish. That was the passage that I clung to kind of in that season because I think I look at that and I say there are a couple things going on. One is that uh, God wants to give us wisdom. Second is he created my mind. I have a God-created mind. And I had consecrated that mind to the Lord to be used for him. Now, I operated on this theory that a God-created mind that is a God-consecrated mind can think their way through decisions with wise counsel and make a decision and then just hold it up to the Lord and say, Lord, this is the decision I've made. If I'm wrong, stop me. If I'm wrong, you can take it. If I'm wrong, redirect me. But if I'm not, let me keep going. And he did. We initiated a transition plan. And... uh, Recruited a new pastor. Uh, it was Sean Cosm, actually, who came and spoke at some a year and a half ago. A great guy. The Lord's doing great things with him. But as the days came forward to the moment of transition, I began to feel a little stress. I wasn't quite sure how it would work, and I didn't have any idea of what was next. And one of our custodians in the church that, that year came to me and said, my husband thinks he has a word from the Lord for you. The Lord gave him something to tell you, and he wants to talk to you about it. And, I, and I, I, can I confess something? I kind of rolled my eyes internally, because I thought if God has a word for me, he could just tell me. He wouldn't have to go through Chad. But she said he'd really like to talk to you, so I said, okay. And I said, he said, it doesn't have to be long. We'll just meet after church on Sunday. And so I preached the sermon, and after church on Sunday, Chad says, come on here, John. I, let, let me tell you about this. I was in the shower and got a word from the Lord. Now, I considered that, you know, first of all, I had to get the image of Chad in the shower out of my mind. Because just, you know, trust me, I needed to get that out of my mind. And he said, he says, I think I have a word from the Lord for you. The Lord told me to, he says, I realize you're stressed. The Lord told me to tell you this. I got this. I just got this. And you know what I realized is that was true for my life, that God, the one who in all things works for the good of those who trust him, the one who has the Holy Spirit interceding for me, the one who causes God the Son to intercede for me as well, the one who wants my very best, the one who wants to work my very best, got this. Unless you're sinful, you can't really make the bad decision if you're chasing God. Really, he makes plan B, plan A. Are there some decisions that might be better than others? Yeah, but you don't know that. You make the decision you can make and give yourself to it with every bit of your, your being, everything you have. It's better that I got this thing than squeezing your hand. What's really better is that you believe the promise of Scripture where God says, I have you. I want the best for you. And I will devote myself to making that happen in your life. And if we give ourselves to that reality, can't go wrong. You just can't. Let me pray for you. Lord, this is a really simple sermon.
And maybe it's one that somebody says, I want more. I want him to tell me what I'm supposed to do. Okay, you're supposed to be conformed to the image of God. God's son. But I'd pray you'd help us to lean in, to listen, to create space for you to nudge us when you nudge us to give ourselves fully to the cause and to trust, to trust that you will make the best of it as we turn to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.